Hi, welcome to Season 4, Episode 1 of Engineering Heroes, a podcast that presents the incredible engineers that are shaping our society and battling our challenging issues. My name is Melanie, my co-host and our podcast's resident engineer speaking to us from the trenches is Dominic. Our guest today studied electrical engineering at the University of Wollongong, where she obtained not only her degree, but also a PhD. She's the CEO of Engineers Australia, the chair of Building 4.0 CRC, a director of the Australia Japan Foundation, and was recently the CEO of Standards Australia and Vice President of Finance of the International Standards Organisation. With over 35 years' experience in various engineering roles, our guest has held roles at Cochlear and GE Healthcare. She's an honorary fellow of University of Wollongong and Engineers Australia and a fellow of the Australian Academy of Technological Sciences and Engineering. She's also been recognised as one of Australia's 100 most influential engineers. Joining us today is Dr. Bronwyn Evans. Bronwyn grew up in Illawarra, which was a very heavy industrial area with steelworks and minings and things like that. Engineering was always just around. She knew she didn't want a traditional female career, and from the urging of her friend, who consequently is now her husband, she took on engineering. And when she looks back on her childhood of playing with Lego and Meccano and project managing her poor family, she is reassured that she made the right decision. Now I know a bit more about engineering. I realised it was something that just gave me a lot of, of fun and, and I enjoyed. The hope is that with all the lockdown, apparently Lego sales are up 92%. So maybe there could be a whole batch of engineers coming out through the coronavirus pandemic. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and did you have engineers around you that you were conscious of? No. My parents were left school at probably 14. There were seven kids. We all knew we'd go to university. My older brother, as it happened, did civil engineering, but I didn't know what that was. He played cricket and football in my mind. <laughs> that was my big brother. <laughs> I didn't particularly know about engineering, but, you know, the steelworks was there and we went as 10-year-olds to do a visit to the open hearth furnace and it was the most exciting thing in the Illawarra. So, <laughs> Wow. Because you're a University of Wollongong alum? That's right. I did my degree at Wollongong. I was at UTS, but we always affectionately knew it as BHP University. And I think a few people sort of ended up in University of Wollongong and sort of moved down to do their training. And then all of a sudden, they kind of end up in Wollongong University. So it was always such a strong university for engineering. It had that, that practical background. Yeah, it very much started as when it was a university college of New South Wales Uni. It was all about the engineering. In fact, building one is the engineering building at Wollongong. Right. <laughs> so it's one. a lovely connection. And so you study at Uni Wollongong and you come out as an engineer. What was the first project that you worked on? So I started work with the Electricity Commission. And again, being a kid from a large family, when they offer you a cadetship, you take it. <laughs> and so I got a cadetship with the Electricity Commission for third and fourth year. And I think the first project that really comes to mind was the construction of a transmission line between Nara and Aladala. And the wonderful regional engineer there who gave me that project, I was about 25. I actually didn't have a driver's license. I cycled everywhere. So suddenly I had to learn to drive, get down from Wollongong to Nara, 
supervise the construction of a transmission line and all of the landholder negotiations I'd trail along behind and we got easements in properties and it was just such a wonderful opportunity. I must say now I realise, but we were going into beautiful bushland to the west of Nowra down through the state forest and I, I saw platypus and I saw waratahs in the wild. So it was a fun couple of years doing that project, I have to say. Oh, my God. Did you feel that you were prepared for it or was it a little bit daunting and out of your depth for such a big project? I had some wonderful mentors. So in truth, while I very grandly say I supervised the construction <laughs> of a transmission line, I was working under the wonderful direction of a senior engineer, Max Edwards, and he had fantastic processes. This was way before we had computers, we would have handwritten memos, he had a whole system of filing of when to bring things back up again. So I learned a lot. But if you like, they took a chance on me and let me be the one who was going into the field and working with the surveyors and the construction crews and going on site. So it's funny, as a 26-year-old, quite frankly, you think you're bulletproof and that's just what you do. So <laughs> you sort of take it in your stride and, and get on with it. You've had an amazing career. You've worked with some um, amazing companies. Is there a job that stands out for you or a project that stands out for you in that time? It's interesting. Each time I'd, I'd have a job, I think I have the best job in the world. and They just continued to be that way. So I worked for GE Healthcare for around eight years and towards the end of my career with GE, I lived in Singapore for two years and ran a business up there. I was the Asia service manager for the ultrasound business and I had general managers in every country around Asia and it was running a P&L and, and really managing the whole business and it was a heap of fun. I mean I loved being in Singapore, it was such a, a great location and you're about six hours up to Tokyo or across to India or down to Australia, eight hours. So it was very much the centre of the world and at the time, my husband was still in Australia, so the opportunity to come back to Australia was quite appealing after two years. <laughs> and I had the chance then to work at Cochlear. And again, it was around about an eight-year period. And, and I used to say, I think after the CEO, I've got the best job at Cochlear. I was the Senior Vice President, Quality, Clinical and Regulatory. And again, it was just such a wonderful opportunity, yes, to see the whole manufacturing process, to see just the technology and how it interfaced with the human body, but then to see the impact it had on the children or the families or the adults who had the device talk to the surgeon. So it was such a privileged opportunity to be in a medical device company that was just amazing. Everything from the way the supply chain was managed to the way the product was manufactured and the whole improvement in processes there, getting the quality management system working and then talking to surgeons doing the device failure analysis. So it, it was such a heap of fun. And then the opportunity came at the end of that to head up Standards Australia. And again, I, I'd say to people, oh, now I think I've got the best job in the world. <laughs> when I was the CEO at Standards Australia and I was part of the President's Committee at ISO, the International Standards Organisation. So just meeting with peers across the world and understanding how Australia is such an important player in that global rules-based system. 
And now I think I've got the best job in the world as well. So, look, as an engineer, I think it is one of those uh, luxury professions, if you like. You can get immersed in so many different areas and, and really have wonderfully satisfying careers. And it seems to be one of those careers where you can take it where you want it to go mm. as well, I found. Even just with speaking with engineers, everyone always seems to have a story about how they ended up in somewhere completely different to where they thought they were going to start out. So you're now working for Engineers Australia. Yes, I'm the, the CEO at Engineers Australia. I've, I think it's just ticked over seven months. And uh, I realise, again, what a privilege it is to be in a, an organisation that is the peak body for engineers. I mean, when you sort of have a, a passion for engineering and then to have that opportunity to lead the peak body for engineers, you go, I mean, <laughs> to, to use someone else's line, how good is that? <laughs> it really is pretty amazing. But just if I reflect back on my career, I think it's a bit of a random walk. If something interesting popped up, I'd think, oh, that doesn't sound too bad. Yeah, let me give that a try. I used to admire people who had a very deliberate career path, and that was never me. There was so much that you could do as an engineer. It's like things would pop up and I'd think, yeah, I want to do that or I, I want to try something else or let me explore. So that constant curiosity I have found has been yeah, just making engineering a, a wonderful career for me. Next up, Roman will explain how important it is that engineers stay connected to society by continuing to upskill. Just want to let you know that Dom and I have successfully been running this podcast for nearly two years now. And like any child, we've needed to grow. So what was once Be With an Engineer evolved last year to become Engineering Heroes. And now as we approach our second birthday, we've gifted our podcast to Australia's leading engineering body, Engineers Australia. We hope you continue to join us as we bring you the new dawn of engineering challenges. This does not mean the podcast you know and love is going to change. Sure, it will look different and pretty awesome at that. But our guests are going to be just as amazing and Dom and I will still be your hosts. If you have a moment, check out our website, www.engineeringheroes.com.au and let us know what you think of our new look. For now, I can't wait for you to hear more on our conversation with Bronwyn. I think one of the really important things for engineers is staying relevant and staying relevant both as a profession to the broader community, society, technology, but as an individual engineer. You do your degree, but that's really only the start of being able to stay relevant. And I mentioned earlier being curious. If there's one quality you can have as being a successful career, it's that curiosity about new technology, curiosity about why things work, how it fits together, Curiosity about how the economy works and what does that mean for industry. So how do you use your degree as a platform for lifelong learning? Not as an ends to a mean, but really as the start of that journey because the technology around us is going to change. No matter what we thought the world was going to look like 10 years ago, it would not be what it is now. There might be inklings of it, but when I started my degree, I was using Fortran's doing Fortran 77 punch cards and I remember sitting in front of my first computer terminal and the thought of putting a computer way more powerful than anything that I had access to in your back pocket aka your phone now 
was so absurd. Dick Tracy would talk to his watch and, and that was a cartoon that you looked at on the Saturday papers. So just how quickly the whole world changes. As an engineer, I think that's what you need to be able to do. Just keep reading, exploring, learning so that whatever happens in your sector, in the community, you can be part of solving it. And I think that means things like helping society. I mean, right now we're in the middle of almost an unprecedented circumstance with the COVID-19 pandemic, the impact on the economy. But is there a role for engineers to be part of that whole conversation that how we respond now and how we respond in the future? Absolutely. But not if we think of ourselves in a very siloed environment, but only if we think of ourselves as being part of a, a broader group that can solve interesting problems no matter where they occur. Do you find that becoming chartered actually also helps encourage that continual learning because it brings it to the forefront that you really do need to go out there and speak to people and go to the lectures and research more? Is it something that's bringing engineers more back to that learning realm? I think that's a really good point. What we've seen with chartered, and I remember speaking to um, a couple of people who'd been through the whole chartered process, they used it to benchmark their own skills and understanding and then say, what are the areas that I need to keep building on to be able to attain that level? So they used it both as a benchmarking tool and then as a way to continue to build on their skills and experiences and knowledge to be able to reach that level. And I think one of the roles for Engineers Australia is to be able to really emphasise to employers and to the broader community that chartered is a mark of excellence on that journey as an engineer. And for the individual, it gives you a roadmap for how you keep building those skills. So I think it is an important part of what we can do to support engineers, but also to help society know what good looks like. I find that it's really fascinating because I still remember my mentality of going through high school and then university going, all right, I'm done. What a relief. I don't have to study ever again. I just need to get a job and I'm set for life. And is this something new, this whole you need to keep studying? I don't think it's new. I think it's framing something that's always been there. For me, a degree or um, any qualification, it's about learning to learn. It isn't the learning, although you learn some really cool stuff. But what you do is you learn the ability to continue to learn, to research, to be inspired by something that catches your imagination and then go and explore it some more. So I think there's just a little more emphasis and way more access to information. Again, going back to my early careers, you would go to the library and you would pull out indexes that would weigh you down. You didn't need to do weight training because you'd pile them up on your desk and then try and find useful and relevant information. You've got so much better access to all the world's information right now. So I think when you've got that ability and, and curiosity, it's so much easier to be part of both understanding and building knowledge. I think that's where the evolution is that I'm, I'm seeing. So from when I was at uni versus now is that 
to improve your career, you had to go to the library or do some sort of formalized course. But as you said, it's just so readily available to get your extra knowledge up. There's online tutorials, there's webinars, there's conferences, there's just so many now that it has actually evolved that you can continue your education while you're in the workforce. So maybe that's what I'm seeing as in the olden days. Oh my God, I can't believe I just said that about myself. (laughs) (laughs) But even like 10 years ago, we wouldn't have had that availability to that knowledge hub. Whereas now it's just so readily available and promoted out there in further society. Is there solutions to encouraging people to continue their education in this manner? Certainly at Engineers Australia, we've now understood and again, taking a lot of our continuing professional development out of a physical environment to online, to making it exactly available to people. And I think a really important element of doing that well is to know who your audience is and speak to the audience and not so much just the topic that you may have a deep knowledge in. So understand who are you talking to how are you talking to them, what language you're using, because for all of those things we've just talked about with access to so much information, people need to curate what they're getting. And so if you're able to have a way of bringing information that talks to people because you understand the audience, you'll be way more effective. And I think at Engineers Australia with our amazing events team who are looking at that, We've got that opportunity to bring our stuff online. And and podcasts are wonderful. I love podcasts. (laughs) I have all sorts of weird and wonderful things that I listen to whenever I have the opportunity, whether it's going for a walk or catching a train, not that I do that much, even going (laughs) shopping. I love listening to podcasts and really having my intellect really stimulated all the time. It's moved now into the informal learning space where you pick up that information. You don't need to go to the library and study something. You can listen to a podcast that will educate you in some way as well. I'm having a real epiphany about this whole education and how it's a continuing thing. I've always known that I should do it. I had a friend that was a firefighter and all through her career, she was constantly reskilling and upgrading her skills and moving along and I was just floating along having fun in my career and I'm seeing that that was a very professional way of doing things and I'm loving that this is really coming along for engineers as well. It is and because I achieved my chartered status last year. Oh congratulations. Thank you very much and it was a (laughs) wonderful experience. It really was a wonderful experience because it highlighted a couple of things for me and one was you never really stop and take a look back at the career you've had and how much you've achieved until Mm. you stop and look at it. And then it also makes you think about the projects that you've worked on and it helped me sort of realize the ones that have been so enjoyable, which has then in turn led me to spend more time looking into those projects and researching about those topics or those issues or those certain elements in regards to engineering. So it, it almost acts as a platform for you to then go, oh, excellent. Okay, I'm going to use this to delve deeper into these areas. Plus, it, it encourages you to learn. It, it kind of gives you that a little bit of a push where you'd normally go, oh, I'm too busy, I don't have time to actually have you to stop and say, no, I need to make time for myself to actually do this. I think one of the best investments you can ever make is in yourself and your own career. The the chartered process is one of those easy ones because it consolidates 
you know, your own thinking. It actually validates that actually you do know stuff and you have done really good projects. So I think that is an, a nice thing about the, the whole chartered process. I was just wondering if everyone going to be going down that path, is there an engineer out there that's, oh, don't worry about it, I, I can just do what I've been doing and I don't need to worry about re-educating? Could there be an engineer out there thinking like that or should every engineer that calls themselves an engineer be moving on that pathway? It's hard to have a very blanket statement. Yeah. I think more of the younger engineers just want to be part of changing the world no matter where it is and they're really keen and hungry to continue to learn from each other from other people from their experiences on the job so the engineers that I meet they all want to be doing something that's having an impact and it doesn't matter what area of engineering you're working in you have that opportunity and as the world changes even if you're not consciously saying I'm going to go and learn something new this week this month this year de facto, that's what you're doing. So if we can, even as Engineers Australia, help them just change the language, but they're building skills all the time and they're learning. I, I think it's just a matter of the environment we live in. Yeah, and maybe that's what engineers are going to be, that continual education of themselves. That's mm. what it, the future is. And Well, speaking of the future, what are your thoughts on the future of engineering? Well, I can't understand why there's anyone who isn't going to want to be an engineer because <laughs> almost everything that's sort of exciting in the world about what might change, what might be, it, it sort of comes back to engineering. You look at some of the articles in the paper that talk about, well, what will we do with renewable energy versus coal versus gas? You think there's actually a really interesting engineering problem to solve there, system stability, power quality, voltage levels. You don't need to get to that level of technology, but you start to think about what do consumers want, and a lot of it's about engineering. You think about what will we do if we had a fuel crisis? Well, people are going to start demanding electric cars, and wow, there's some interesting engineering problems there for intelligent infrastructure, for a road system that can allow cars to travel, for a 5G network that's got the latency that allows you know, 10 million devices or 10 billion devices on it. So everything about the future and even our most exotic notions of what the future might look like is all about engineering. So I think for me, it's the best career to be thinking about because I can't predict what on earth you'll need to do to be an engineer. I just know it's going to be exciting and interesting and you're going to have that opportunity to keep learning new things and integrating information. Look, I think the future... It's probably, for me, the, the number one career that's going to be in demand the most in the future. It's a career that keeps reinventing itself as well. Mm. So even when we create the technology that you would normally say, well, you've just done yourself out of a job, it just gives us the opportunity to go find a new path to, to forge. So it's definitely a career that's always going to be well-recommended and well-regarded and very Absolutely practical. vital. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say to people that have already started on that engineering journey but are in their early days? Well done for making the right decision <laughs> in the first place. You know, get out and have a look around. Go and ask people things. Learn something new or, or even learn something completely unrelated to engineering and then start to make the linkages later on. I, I certainly know there were times when I would be a little bit disappointed at the communication skills of engineers 
And I think if you could just read some good literature, because if you know what good writing looks like, you may be able to write well yourself. And it's just a really different way of thinking. So for any engineer out there who's starting on their career, look way more broadly than engineering. Get excited by everything in the world, whether it's music or literature or opera or art or or motor cars or aeroplanes or whatever it is. But find, you know, just find things that are really interesting and you'll have fun. Yeah, I like that. A well-rounded engineer has hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> when you said cars, that, that's Dom's hobby. Anyway, he watches all these car <laughs> things. Oh, man. Yeah, I've, I have, I'm a bit of a junkie in that respect. Yeah, I think that makes him a more rounded engineer as well, the fact that he has those extra components yes. to himself. Just to finish up, is there a piece of engineering that impresses you? There are so many pieces of engineering that impress me. I was just going through them. Look, the Sydney Harbour Bridge, what a beautiful mm. piece of uh, utilitarian engineering. The cochlear implant, you, you start to see yeah, all the parts, amazing. you know, why it works, just the, the shell that we use to put the electronics in, the whole way you needed to do the silicon coating and the pressure testing, any aeroplane. They are just such amazing pieces of engineering. And I did actually have written down a beautifully designed car. I, I've been to some of the car factories in Munich. I went to the BMW Museum and you go in there and they're yeah. just such beautiful pieces of elegant engineering and you wonder about how everything fits together. And I think I, I, I need to come back in many other lives, but to be able to design a car and to be able to put all those pieces together in the aerodynamics and then make them something so aesthetically beautiful. Just what a pleasure to be able to do that. I think engineering is so cool because of the complexity <laughs> and the simplicity and yeah, there's lots. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely where engineering meets art as well, yeah. particularly with bridges and you know, planes mm -hmm. and automobiles and all that. They originally set out by engineers to create something, obviously for a, a function, but they just end up creating something that's so beautiful that it's, mm -hmm, it's like a piece mm -hmm. of art. Honestly, yes. it's they're like creating the impossible. Yes. Like, yeah, how can you build a bridge that big or how can you make people here with this little device? And I still don't understand how planes stay up. Like, <laughs> I, I know I've read the books. Yeah, I, was I say, still do <laughs> don't understand. <laughs> I always love this last question to end up on. Who's an engineer that you admire? I think Professor Maria can. She was, until recently, the New South Wales Chief Scientist and Engineer. And for me, Mary is such a wonderful example of an engineer who has, has just led a whole, I think she was almost 10 years in that role, a fantastic opportunity to have an engineering leader making such a big impact. So my number one of many would be Mary O'Kane. She's now the head of the New South Wales Planning Commission and she's heading up the inquiry into the bushfires in New South Wales. You need oh, wow. to meet oh, right. Mary. Excellent. I think this could be, yeah. um, no, could be someone amazing. we yeah. speak to in the An very engineering future. hero. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and well, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, it's thank been you so really much. It was wonderful. Conversations. It's such a wonderful topic to talk about yeah. and uh, it's been a real pleasure 
And thank you for listening to the very first episode of Season 4 Engineering Heroes. If you want to keep up to date on our latest information or find out more about today's show, your best port of call will always be our website, www.engineeringheroes.com.au. If you enjoyed today's show, go and tell someone. Seriously, it's that easy to show your support for the work that we're doing and for engineers everywhere. We look forward to you joining us next week when we bring you another interview with one of our engineering champions.